0: Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Welcome to Happy Hour. Tonight we're talking about house parties. Now, if you know my testimony, God actually spoke to me at my own house party. Uh, I used to have a place over by Upper James, and it was kind of the place where all my friends ended up storing everything so they could kind of live. The double life, and their parents thought they were perfect, but yet then they could come to my place, and we could enjoy ourselves there. But that's when God broke through and changed my life. That was the turning point that eventually has led me to even being here. Now, the idea behind this whole series and behind tonight's talk is house parties is because... House parties have such a huge impact, and I wanted to illustrate it. So I got a map of Binbrook, and it's not really showing up with this light, but this is the map of Binbrook on Google. That little purple star there is where Amanda and I live, and we're on Powell Drive. The church is just to the right of kind of by that 65 sign. And this is where it starts. So when we moved into the city or the town, this is where we began the ministry, before we even knew where else we'd be. But then it started growing. And then we had another one. We had Chris and Alex come up, and they said, we want to open up our home, and we want to start seeing what God's doing in this community. And then another one joined. And these stars start popping up on the map because the kingdom is advancing So eventually, we're actually at about this point right now for people who've come to our church and have been involved in the community of Binbrook is these stars represent families. And I'm just thinking that if each of us throw a house party for our neighbors, for our block, for our friends and family that might even live on the outskirts, think of the impact that this could have Because as you zoom out a little bit further, this is actually the impact we're already having. We have families from Cambridge, Brantford, Ancaster, Waterdown, Binbrook, Caledonia, Cayuga, Smithville, Grimsby. This is who we represent. Like, this is phenomenal. So sometimes, it's funny because people will come in and they'll see the size of the church that we have, and they'll say... Are you a little discouraged? Are you worried? I'm like, not at all, because this is what this church represents. At the end of the day, I'm not looking at growing a bigger star here at 2617 Binbrook Road, which I'm not looking at growing a bigger church building right here. What I'm looking at doing is covering this map with stars. And this is my heart behind this whole series of happy hour engaging the world with a good news life, of house parties, because just think of the impact already if a group of, it started with the four of us, and we just kind of got some burgers and some drinks and invited people to come meet at the LeBlanc's house, and it's turned in to already impacting all of these areas. Now, some of them, what's interesting is some of these stars actually started with people living in Binbrook, and since we've launched, they've moved out of Binbrook. But that's exciting, because it's about the advancement of the good news of Jesus Christ. So I just want to also touch on what is the good news. And I've been racking my brain on how to simplify this, just to kind of put it in a nutshell, because it's actually going to raise more questions probably than... It, it, it does answer, but the good news is actually a person. The good news is Jesus, that he lived, he died, and he rose again, and he ascended to sit at the right hand of God in heaven. Now, that's where that opens up a whole slew of questions. Well, why did he have to die, blah, 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 and I can't get into all of that tonight, but in the meantime, what this means is that Jesus sets us free. The good news is that Jesus, the person of Jesus, sets us free from bondage, sets us free from anything that's holding us back from a relationship with God. And what's more exciting is that we don't just talk about a person who lived. We talk about a person who still lives. And that's what gives us hope for tomorrow. That's what allows us to know that tomorrow can be better f- from today. I-, I don't know if the word is uh, dy- dystopic, dystopic, uh, kind of the, the end of the world's coming, the doom, and it's kind of this negative outlook. That's oftentimes how we portray ourselves in religious circles, that the end is coming. You, you, need, to, uh, you need to be saved Because it's going to be a dark time ahead. Now, again, I'm raising a lot of questions here. But what I'm wanting to encourage you with tonight is that the good news is that the dark times aren't coming. That Jesus himself has come in and saved us from that. That there is hope. That there is a better future. That it does get better. And this is where his life matters. Because it means that as we follow Jesus, we follow his way, we follow his life, we follow his teachings. And if he's resurrected and has conquered death, then there is no death. This is eternal life. This is the kingdom now that that Jesus has ushered in, has inaugurated. So what does it look like if it's a person, if the good news is a person? What it means is that we, we throw parties. We get to know our neighbors. We, we can go out with hope and say that we have this to share. And like we looked at last week, people confuse Jesus for being a glutton and a drunkard. And that wasn't the case but he was hanging out with the marginalized. He was hanging out with those who needed hope. And this is what excites me. Because also, if if we're saying that this is the good news and this is the, the way of Jesus and the way that we choose to follow, we're also saying and making a claim that this is also the best way to live. Absolute hands down. And I thought I was choosing my own best way to live years ago. But man, my life since meeting Christ and actually meeting Christ, not just the religious do's and don'ts and saying I'm following this, it my life has been transformed. And it doesn't mean it's been easy, doesn't mean it's not without many of my own shortcomings, but I know. That, you know what, I don't have to white knuckle this anymore. I don't want, I don't have to hang on to this, like, I can do this, I can do this on my own. Because I can actually let go and say, "I I can't do this. That's the good news. So, as we talk about these house parties tonight, this is what I'm saying, is let's open up our homes, invite our neighbors in, and just allow them to have a safe space to share their stories and pick up on your story of where is this hope coming from? Where is this good news and this change coming from? So it's going to be a little bit more of a practical message tonight. And what I mean by that is we're going to actually talk about how to have a house party. So the very first thing, go and prepare. And where this is coming from is John 14, 1 to 3. So this is Jesus talking, and he says, don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He's equating himself at this point to God. So in religious circles at his time, this was quite blasphemous. But he's saying, my father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me so that where I am, you will be too. Now, this is interesting because a lot of people often use this as a funeral passage, often use this as a future perspective of heaven. But if you look at the context of what it's written in, which I, I won't go into all of it tonight, he, there's a strong indication that it's not just talking about a future perspective of we're getting out of here and going to this new place, this mansion, but it's, he's actually talking about coming back and filling us with the Holy Spirit. This is just before he goes into, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he's talking about preparing a place, making space. And what I believe he's talking about here is he's coming back and and giving us, uh, us the gift of his Holy Spirit. And he's making space for us on earth, in this new kingdom that's already inaugurated. It's not just about getting out of here and let this world just... Uh, pass away and burn in flames. No, he's talking about this new life now where he will be with us. Now, he talks about this place with, and building many rooms in this house. Now, that's a very common mind, uh, viewpoint from, from this time was that as children would go off and get married, the, the father would just add an extra room to the house so the kids could live there, and it would kind of keep expanding. But what's also interesting in this passage, as I was studying it, is he's only talked about this house twice. Jesus only talks about this house twice. And, and here's one of them where he's preparing a place and making space for people. And the other time is when he's talking about the temple. And he, he's using it in a way that it's a place where heaven and earth are coming together together. And I think that sets the stage for going and preparing because what it is, it's Jesus has done the work to go and prepare and now he lives with us here and now so that where he is, we will be too. We are with Jesus. So here's some questions that we can think of as we go and prepare our homes for, to have a house party. How many people can you fit comfortably in your home? Just think through it. it. It doesn't mean you have to go out and buy a bigger home. doesn't mean you have to put on any additions. But how many people can you fit comfortably? And here's also a quick rule of thumb if you're like, oh, I can only fit 10 people in there. Cram in more. It's actually more exciting. I learned this in youth ministry that we had this tiny little room in the basement, smaller than this gym, and there were some nights, especially when we talked about sex, a lot of kids came out for that one, I think we had about 90 kids, and they were just crammed in this little place, and and the pastor would say, why don't you go up to the sanctuary? Well, the sanctuary held about just over 200 people, and I thought, then all of a sudden, you lose that excitement. It's, It's almost like, where is everybody? But... Try and fit in more than you can actually think fit comfortably. But don't make it like a can of sardines also. <laughs> the next question, is there a nice flow from the front door to the kitchen, living room, back porch? If not, how could you open it up? I don't know how many people actually use uh, the formal dining room anymore. And it's more of these open concept flows. But um, just think, think through this, for what type of party you're having. Even the back porch, like if you've been to our house, it's pretty small. If we were going to throw a party, we'd probably do it in the backyard during nice weather because 10 would probably feel quite tight in there. But the next question, are there any rooms you're not presently using, and how could they be incorporated into hospitality? And what I mean by this question, too, is, again, Am- Amanda and I, we, we had this unfinished basement, and our hope for it was that we'd always finish it up so that we could have people over in the main space and send the kids below, vice versa. But is there space in your home that, we could, that you could use for hospitality? And last, is there enough parking? And this might seem crazy, uh, especially in Binbrook, that it seems like there never is. But one of uh, our youth pastors actually told us this when we were looking at rental places in BC. He said, look for a place that has a lot of parking because if you want to actually invite people into your home, they're going to need a place to park. And that's always just stuck with me. Um, Is there enough parking? And if not, if it's just a bit further away, just make it clear as you're inviting people over. But again, if it is your neighbors, jackpot because they're already parked in their drive. They can just walk over. Next, we have make ready. So we go from this go and prepare and think through these larger picture questions, and now we're going to make ready. And again, from the Gospel of John. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. And what I love about this perspective and how we can apply it to throwing a house party is how can we make straight the way for the Lord? And what I mean by that is how can we actually make our party a way for people to move a step closer? See, oftentimes we like to just go for the the slam dunk every time. And it's like, we want to convince people, like, It changed their whole set of beliefs and convinced them that, yep, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And if it's their first time or they've had a bad experience in church, they're kind of thinking, whoa, I don't know. I have a lot of questions about that. The the whole point of the party is to invite people and, and make this safe space. And just like John knew his purpose was, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm here to make ready. I'm here to start getting people ready for their encounter with Jesus. So it's kind of this concierge level of preparation. So now we're thinking of more of the the smaller details. So just as John was to get people ready to meet Jesus, what it means is that we too need to consider all the ways that we can make it easier for people to be receptive to meet Jesus. Jesus. So here, I've put together a few do's and don'ts. The first one is do clean the house. So now, if it's an impromptu, just like, hey, come on over, don't worry about it. But if you're kind of purposely throwing a well-intentioned party, clean the house. Second, don't have the TV on unless it's for a sports event. We've had a couple Super Bowl parties, but uh, we all automatically just go right to the TV if it's on, especially if you're getting together with neighbors and you're not quite sure. It's just more comfortable to watch TV, but try and keep it off so that you can actually connect and get to know one another. The next, have soft music on. A, a lot of these principles that I'm actually taking here is we're, we've been trying to implement even uh, here at the church, is that when you, you come in, that either the worship team's playing or we have background music on. And we have the lights because we don't want the fluorescent lights in the gym on because we actually want this to be a space where we can relax and feel like we can just breathe for a moment and encounter uh, Jesus and what he's trying to say to us. So here I do have soft lighting, candles lit, um, the one night... It was funny because uh, Lindsay and Alex, you guys were actually coming over to my house with, uh, we were having a creative team meeting, and and, uh, Amanda went out. I forget where where you were, worship practice. (laughs) And what was funny is I went around, and I'm like cleaning everything, and I lit candles in the bathroom, and I actually even put Kenny G on. I don't even know if you, (laughs) (laughs) it was around Christmas time, and Amanda's like, you don't even do that stuff for me. (laughs) I'm like, there were multiple. (laughs) But just just make the atmosphere warm and welcoming. So we have to ask the question, what about kids? What do you do with kids? And I have to give a lot of credit to uh, Hugh Halter. He actually wrote this book, Happy Hour, uh, Etiquette and Advice on Holy Merriment. I'm I'm adapting a lot of the stuff from his book here. And what he says for the kids is that do talk to them ahead of time. If they're old enough, talk to them, let them know what you expect of them. If there's gonna be other kids there, say, hey, maybe play games with them in the basement or the backyard. Uh, we'd like help with setup or cleanup. But then he said, there's a caveat. And what the caveat is, is actually applies to us. If you have toddlers, all bets are off. <laughs> and he said, just learn to roll with the punches on this one. Because he said, the last thing you want, and I, I love the way he actually put this, you don't want to throw your toddler through a wall because that's what he considers a party foul. <laughs> but he's just saying, you know what? With toddlers, it can be the most frustrating thing when you're trying to connect with others and they're just pulling out your shirt and saying, Mommy, 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 Daddy, Daddy. But just roll with it. Everyone understands. Everyone's used to it. And we'll get through it. But now it's party time. So you've, you've gone and made ready, you, now it's time to have the party. So I've put together some do's and don'ts for the actual party now. Do invite people around the table and give a warm welcome. So when it's time to actually eat, try and invite everyone around and, and just say, like, you know what? Gather around the table for a minute And then that leads into this next one, which is do an introduction to the food. Talk about what you might be having. We're going to be having hamburgers or vegan or all the options. And just kind of put people at ease. And then do give a blessing or a toast. Now, this is an interesting one because it's a way of beginning to share your story and shape people's understandings of your perspective. And what I'm not saying here is go into a full-out evangelistic sermon or prayer and it's just give a, a blessing, just saying, like, you know what, I'm so thankful that you guys were able to come here tonight. I'm so thankful we could live in this neighborhood and be surrounded by such awesome neighbors. And this food that we have here is phenomenal. And, and, and just kind of be like, we'd like to give thanks just, just for the food, for such a great community and just even peace that we can have in our neighborhood. And it leads into don't feel you have to open in prayer or pray for the meal. I was gonna put this as a strong don't, don't pray for the meal, but you know what? It's contextual. Leave it to whoever's invited. There's some people that you might sense if you bring them in and you just go right to the opening prayer, I'm gonna pray for this meal And they're going to be convinced and know who I am and stand for. They feel like they're being tricked. And just play it by ear. What I often do is if I'm not going to pray for a meal in public, I've grown up praying for every meal, so I still feel awkward about it. I'm like, oh, man. But I just kind of, I say it quietly myself. But I say wrap it up in the blessing and just begin this conversation and begin creating the safe space for people to begin to share their story. Because the thing is, as you begin listening to other people's stories, they begin to want to know more about yours. And from there, you can find common ground. And we don't have all the answers. We don't. As much as I'd love to say, I've got it all figured out. I have all the answers. The longer time's gone on, the more I realize I have more questions than answers. We can learn from each other. But the one answer we do have is our hope in Jesus. So remember, the goal of the party, I mentioned this last week, is to have another party. It's not to convince people to, to um, reshape their convictions. It's It's to have another party, to keep the relationship going. And I'm actually just going to break us up in a minute to discuss some questions as to how we can actually throw a party as a church, throw a party in our homes, as neighbors. But I want to share this one story with you. Because when, when again, Amanda and I were first just getting into youth ministry, we started having these monthly team meetings. And I would always come up with a huge agenda and we could never get through half of it, which Chris can attest to now. I still do that with our leadership team meetings. (laughs) But what I did in youth is that I actually tried to make it a party, I actually tried to make it really fun. So our youth leaders would come to it, sometimes we'd go down to the beach, other times we'd go play soccer in the field and we had two hours set aside to get through stuff. And there were so many times that I'm like, we got through absolutely nothing today. And I had so many decisions we needed to make and this and that. But Amanda would always remind me, and she's like, Kevin, I think today we just had to connect with each other. We just had to have fun. And looking back now, there were some frustrating Sundays when I really wanted to get through these meetings and hammer out details. But what these youth leaders remember is how they felt when they were in our house. How they felt when we were together. And I think that's the idea behind these house parties, is how people feel when they enter into your home, when they've had conversation with you, and at the end of the party as they're leaving, they're not gonna remember all the ins and outs, what you tried to accomplish, this or that. That's why last week I kept saying, drop the agenda, just have the party. Just love people where they're at, meet them where they're at, and allow them to open up. So here's the questions I want to talk about. In your opinion, what makes a great party? How seriously have you considered your street and neighborhood to be your mission field? And what's the biggest obstacle in your way or holding you back?